everyone, not everyone is going to be receptive to you're going to hell for drinking. Some people might, but not everyone. Some people might need that slap in the face by God. You're going to hell for drinking. But some people won't. The majority of people won't. They will, they will turn away from you and walk away and probably never turn back to God with that kind of an attitude. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here. God is good, amen? Amen, God is good. As you can see, we have an addition in the church. We can hear now. After the service, if um, anybody says, well, it wasn't loud enough or it wasn't, I didn't, couldn't quite hear um, articulating, or not articulating, but... Um, how you enunciate words, I couldn't hear certain things, let me know and I can tweak it here and I can um, make it sound a little clearer if I need to. So, with that being said, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 down through verse 6. There's some exhortations. This first part is the end of the, it's the end of the um, portion of social duties of the new life, and then we go on to the exhortations and the final greetings of this book. Have we enjoyed this book so far? Has this book been? Have you learned a lot in this book? I hope you have. I know I have, and I've studied it before, before now, but uh, I've learned a lot in my multiple times of study of this book. So, uh, turn if you are getting there, uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse starting in verse 1. Are we all there? Yeah. All right. Masters, give to your servants that which is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and be watchful with thanksgiving while praying also for us that God would open us, open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may reveal it clearly as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, wisely using the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt, and that you may know how you should answer everyone. Father, thank you for your word. We just pray that you would bless and minister this to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to pull this out because it's easier for me to do that this way. So one of the things we want to look at in here and, and think about is this first statement and one of the things as I studied this, one of the first things that I came to my mind when it says, Masters, give to your servants that which is just and fair, knowing that you have a master in heaven. We all serve a master. We all, serve, we all have a master in heaven. Whether we serve him or not, he's our master. Whether we serve God or we don't serve God, he is our, he is, he's our supreme master. He's our creator. Whether we believe it or not, that's how it is. That's just, just, it is what it is. Uh, 
And so therefore this, this what Peter is, or Paul is telling them, treat everyone as though knowing you have a master in heaven who could treat you the same way. If you have graciousness in your life, extend that graciousness. If you have, uh, if, if, if God is giving you mercy and peace, extend that, extend that mercy and peace to others because it could be different. You know, the golden rule, do unto others as you want, would want to be done unto you. God can take his hand from us and he can also put his hand over us in protection. God wants to protect us. God wants to be our protector. But we must understand that if God is giving us good things, we must extend those good things to others around us. Um, our master in heaven, God, he watches out for us. He's not out for our destruction, but for our good. But he also, if you remember in the Old Testament, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin and their lack of, and their lack of obedience to him. In the book of Romans, it talks about how God gave them up in chapter one, gave them up into a reprobate mind, meaning he gave them what they wanted, so he took his hand off of them. We removed his blessing. So he can do that with us. He can do that with us. We have to always remember that God is supreme, number one, and that he would desire for us to, to treat others as he is treating us. If he is good to us, we are to be good to others. And God will always be good to us if we are good to each other and good to others because that's what we're supposed to do. Paul goes on and he says, Continue in prayer and be watchful with thanksgiving while praying also for us that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may reveal it clearly as I ought to, to speak. Continue in prayer and be watchful. You know, that transcends time. Continue to be in prayer and be watchful for God. Be watchful for God. We are to, to it says pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. If you, if you see, see something that, someone that is in need, pray for them. Pray for them. If you see many times, and, and I don't say this by bragging, but it's just a habit that I have, many times I will see an ambulance or something flying down the road and I'll pause and pray, God, be with that person in that ambulance. That's just who I am. That's just one of my habits that I do. Uh, it's just something I started and it was something that just kind of stuck. So that's kind of the kind of the way that I do things. But I think it's important to to be watchful for those in need, to pray, to be able to pray, be available to pray, and, be, and, and more importantly, and, and not so more importantly, but importantly, to be able to be able to give some sort of guidance and direction to others as the opportunities arise. You know, we, we, we have knowledge of God, and God gives us opportunities from time to time to speak into people's lives. Sometimes what shrinks us back is thinking, well, I don't have, I've not been in, I've not been following the Lord very long, or I, I don't have a theological degree, or I don't have, we, we talked about this in Sunday school. Look at Moses. 
Moses couldn't hardly talk and he felt very inadequate, but yet God used him. And God can use you and use me. And that's why he says be watchful. Be watchful. We are, to be, we are to be watching for opportunity as well as opportunity to pray. Our opportunity to speak, opportunity to pray for others. That is how we show forth the love of God, show forth the love of Christ, and show forth who we are in God. He says, be watchful with thanksgiving. And this, this word, be watchful with thanksgiving, can be an attitude thing on how effective our prayers or our teaching are. If we go, if, if we go into a store, like I go into Walmart all the time. We know this, right? This is just who I am. You went to the store, Pastor. Yeah, I bet you went to Walmart. Yep, I sure did. I go to Walmart not as much as I used to. I try to stay out of there because I tend to spend money when I'm there. But when, when, you, um, when I go in there, like last night, I was in there last night. I had to get a set of wrenches to fix one of the other bikes so that Zeke could ride the bigger bike so get used to his new bike. And I ran into someone, and we stood there and talked about the Lord for an hour and a half. And I didn't know it. It was that long. But we stood and talked about the Lord for an hour and a half. And I encouraged this person about how God wants to use this, use this person and how God desires for them to, to know him in a real way and, and all these things. Now, my goal was I was going to put my earbuds in. I was going to listen to my Bible while I was shopping so that I could... could uh, because I wasn't feeling well and I, had to, I wanted to get that done and, and so I was going to do that while well, I went to put my earbuds in and this person stopped me and had some questions. So I had to be watchful. Did I, be, did I, did I do it begrudgingly? I, I thought about it, actually, but I, I didn't because it was one of those things that God was giving me an opportunity right in front of me. He was, he was extending, I guess you could say, like a silver platter. Here's an opportunity to share me. And my attitude about it would have made or break, bro, made or breaked, broke, not breaked, broke, broke, not even broke, broke that um, opportunity. My attitude could have either made it or destroyed it. So I had to put myself in check and have a good attitude about it because this person was in need. And I'm always, I'm always trying to be watchful for opportunity. Sometimes God gives us opportunities like that when we're in a hurry to get somewhere and get done, get, out of, get in and out of a store just to see where our attitude is. You know? Because there are times, and I do this, where I set out, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm, I'm going to stick around until God gives an opportunity. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes that does. And something, well, God, I was there and there's no opportunity. And then I go and say, I got to get in and get out and get this bike fixed. And God puts an opportunity of an hour and a half in front of me to check my attitude. Or, or he can do that with us too, to check our attitudes. And so with Thanksgiving, we are to give, be watchful. Even though it might cramp our style, or cramp our agenda, but we are to be thankful. And I did get the bike fixed too, by the way. I did, it did get fixed before I was over, before it was over with. But yeah, he says in verse three, while praying also for us, that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. 
It says, pray for opportunity. And I, and I, like I, like I just said, I, I go expecting opportunity, but do we, do we do that? Do we, do we pray when we go somewhere? Do we, do we ask God, give me an opportunity to share you with someone? And it doesn't matter who it is. You know, it might be. For me, it could be my kids, my wife, any, or anybody else. An opportunity to be, to share Christ with, with someone. You know, for any of you, it could be, it could be anyone. It could be a, a friend or maybe someone that you just met or someone you haven't met yet. Um, I know your, your testimony of the Ladies' Day, Joanne, could be a avenue someone could use to learn about God and your experiences in God. That could be a springboard to that kind of thing. And, and that conversation could then spring into, this is what God has done in my life, and this is, you know, and, and just to encourage and to share the, the love of God with other people. But God gives opportunity, and we should be praying for opportunity. To, to be able to just speak into someone's life. Now we talked, I talked a, few, a couple months ago about lifestyle Christianity. People say, well, I, I don't have to share about God. My life speaks for itself. That's not completely true. I think if we're speaking about God to someone, our life and our words, our, our actions and our words should, should complement each other. Because if we're just saying we're going to live for God in front of people but not talk about God in front of people, that's not uh, good either. That's, that's doing detriment more than it is helping things. So it is important to pray for opportunity. I like how he says the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. Because it is a mystery. I'm sure it was a mystery for people, and it is a mystery for people who are not believers. How did, did God, the God of the universe, number one, create a man? You know, everybody says, well, it's the Big Bang Theory. It's, you know, the boom, and out of chaos came order. But this whole idea of an orchestrated intelligent being, God, putting everything into motion, creating man, and then putting it into to motion to where we are here now, Christ has died. To, to, to some, all of that, the, the, the death and resurrection and, and the way the earth came to me is a mystery. How could this be? Because I've learned in school all my life that it started from a big bang and we were little, little frogs and then we were you know, little things, plankton, and then we grew up, we were apes and now we're people and it's been you know, billions of years and you're, only saying, you're saying it's only you know, 15, 20,000 years old or whatever the case might be. That's a mystery. So it is a mystery for those who don't know Christ. And therefore we should pray for words of wisdom to speak into that mystery. To bring clear, to solve the mystery in the hearts of others. He goes on. He says that I may, re that I may reveal, he says that he is uh, in chains to this commitment. You know, if you think about a slave, a slave in this day was in chains. You know, a slave, 
you see a lot of it on TV, and you see a lot of it on things where they sh they have um they had slaves in stocks and they're around their neck and in their hands on their feet, and they were they were in chains for their master. Paul says he's in chains for the gospel. He's in chains to his master, God, to his and his job is to share the mystery of Christ, the, the gospel, the love of Christ, and he is a slave to that. Now, he's not saying he wants to not be a slave. He enjoys being a slave to that, and we should too. Now, it's not always going to be pretty. We're not always going to have people that are going to agree with us, are going to like us, are gonna, but, but it is a job and it is a, it is a thing that God would desire us to do. If we are following God, we should desire to be the slaves of God to share the mystery of Christ, as Paul was. As Paul was. Sorry. He goes on. He says, he said, as he's praying, he says that I may that I may reveal it clearly, as I ought to speak. In other words, when we are wanting, praying for this opportunity, knowing that our attitude can make or break the the opportunity, we should also be praying that we can convey it clearly. We can convey the word of God in a clear clear. Um, manner because if we're not clear then it's just confusion he's saying pray that we could reveal it clearly now that that is not only on us but that's also on the receiving end of it too that God would 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 cultivate the heart of the person that I'm talking with to be able to receive it in a clear manner and understand it as I speak it clearly it's a partnership between the, 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 the receiving party and the party giving the instruction. It is a complementary relationship where God gives clarity to you and also ability to learn to the one that's being re receptive of it. And I think as we pray in that way, we should be praying, God, give me able to be clear, but also, God, prepare the heart of that one that I'm going to be sharing with today as I'm out doing my business. I think that's important. That's why when we pray, when, normally when I pray over the offering, I will say, Lord, prepare the hearts. Go with this offering to those that we cannot go and prepare their hearts to receive it because it's important for the receptor to be receptive to receive it. And God has to make that way also as well as help us be clear about what we speak. He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, wisely using the opportunity. Walk toward, walk in wisdom toward those. Be wise. You have to ask God for wisdom. God doesn't give us, you know, I always use Walmart as an excuse, but I, you go into Walmart, I, I don't stand on the, you know how they have those tables with the Girl Scout cookies and all that. I don't stand out there and say, hey, you want to hear about Jesus? You want to hear about Jesus? That's not wise <clears throat> because not everybody is going to receive that. But being wise is saying, God, direct me to the person that will receive and, and help them to be receptive in their heart. That's being wise. That's having wisdom on who will be receptive and who won't. 
Sometimes God will, God will still direct you to a person who isn't very receptive, but yet that helps us to, to, to cultivate in us thick skin, to be able to receive that rejection and say, okay, well, I'll, we'll try again. God send somebody else. But we are to be wise. Because one thing we do not want to do is we do not want to send people packing in the other direction when we come down the street. There's that weirdo again, Pastor Josh. You know, you think about that. You know, you don't want to have that attitude, but you want to be able to, to be able to be wise, be able to speak truth into someone's life in a way that they understand it and they can receive it and it's clear. And we should be also uh, wanting to do that and praying for that opportunity. He goes on, he says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you should answer everyone. Now, let your speech always be with grace. Very important. You don't go up to somebody and say, you know, if they're coming out of a bar and God puts you in a place to minister, hey, you're going to hell for drinking. That's not grace. That's not grace. Can't do that. You're eating five candy bars, you glutton, you're going to hell. You can't, you can't do that either. You know, that's not good either. But understand that with grace, people have vices. People drink. People have vices with alcohol. People have vices and addictions to food. People have addictions to technology. People have addictions to all kinds of things. And if we want to help them out of that addiction, we have to have grace. We have to have grace. To help someone that is maybe struggling with alcoholism, you talk to them and you find out what their backstory is. What, happens, what happened in their life as a child? Why are they the way they are? Then you speak to that. You don't speak to, you're going to hell for drinking. What caused you to, what, this, this end point of your drinking, what started it? Was it a bad home life? Was it an abusive father or mother? Was it an abusive uncle or aunt? Was it just because it, you thought it was cool and now you're addicted? You know, what, what is the, the thing? And then you show them that God is bigger than that addiction. One of my, one of uh, my, um, I listened to Mark Lowry, he's a comedian, and he says, he, do, he does a lot of pre preaching too. And he said, he said um, don't show people your victories, show them your scars to reach them. You know, if, if you have addiction, if, if you're talking with someone with addiction and you had an addiction yourself that God brought you through, revisit that and show them how God brought you through your addiction. Show them your scars. That, that's what he's talking about. Because it's easier, it's easy for me to say God is bigger than that. God can get you through that. To someone who's in the middle of something and can't even hardly see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's easy for me to say that. It's easy for me to say, oh, God's bigger than that. But I don't know what they're struggling with. 
But if they know something in my past that's similar to their past and how God brought me through, then I begin to shine that light at the end of the tunnel and they can begin to see. And then it's their, uh, their choice to either receive that and start moving toward that to end stay where they are. With grace. Show it with grace. Now, he goes on. He says that you may know how, to, how you should answer everyone. everyone. Not everyone is going to be receptive to you're going to hell for drinking. Some people might, but not everyone. Some people might need that slap in the face by God. You're going to hell for drinking. But some people won't. The majority of people won't. They will, they will turn away from you and walk away and probably never turn back to God with that kind of an attitude. That's why he's saying here, have your attitudes. He speaks to attitudes. He speaks to motive. He speaks to the way we're supposed to talk to one another and to other people and to show the love of God. Because if we go with an attitude of you're going to hell for drinking, let's just say that for, for example, not everyone's going to say, oh, okay, I'll change my ways. Some people would, because maybe God had already been working on them. But you don't know that. Some people probably would, but most people, majority of people, probably nine out of ten people would say, oh, you blankety blank, 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 and turn around and walk away. Or maybe get punch in the nose or punch in the mouth and walk away. You know, you, you don't know. That's why we have to have grace. That's why it's important to build relationships with people and say, well, you know, why do you drink? Or why do you eat overeat? Or why do you do this? What, what's your life, what was your life like growing up? What was your life like as a child? Then you begin to unearth some of those things. Like I said, maybe it was an abusive thing. Maybe they were bullied in school. Maybe, they're, maybe they just thought, you know, drinking's cool. Everybody else is doing it. You know, you don't know that if you just tell them you're going to hell for drinking. Have grace. Have grace. He goes on. Well, he doesn't go on. This is the end of it. But we are, we got some time. You want to finish it out? We got about... Oh, 10 verses. Final greetings, he says, Tychicus, who is also beloved, a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have, spent, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that he might know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, that you make known to everyone, to make known to you everything which is happening here. Aristarchus, um, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, receive him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are, the on, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are the circum, uh, of the circumcision. They have been a comfort to me. Epaphras guests, greets you. He is one of you 
a servant of Christ, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand mature and complete in this entire will of God, and this entire will of God. I bear witness of him that he has a great zeal for you, those who are in Laodicea and those in Hieropodis, I guess. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brothers who are in Laodicea and Nympha and the church which is in, the, the, in his house. When this epistle is read among you, Ensure that it is read also in the church for the, for the Laodiceans that, and that you all likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Tell, tell Archippus, make sure that you fulfill the ministry which you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace will be with you. Amen. Now, not much here, but it's saying, doing the salutation or the, the, the benediction of the letter. But he's basically telling them, read the letter to the churches, read the letter among yourselves for the encouragement of yourselves and other people. We have a book here full of Paul's letters and full of, full of history of the church. That command is for us today. Read the letters. Encourage yourselves. Encourage one another in the word. That's basically what Paul is saying. Greet the brothers that are coming. They're the ones in the Lord. They're the ones in the, in the faith. Greet them. Read the letters. Read, encourage one another. That's what Sundays are for. That's what we do on Sundays, isn't it? To, to encourage one another and to be encouraged in the Lord. Encourage each other every Sunday. We should be encouraging ourselves every day of the week in the Word, God being with us and God ministering to us. We should be doing that. And that's why this goes on with what we just talked about because if we're getting encouragement and we're getting all of that, we can have that grace. We can have that right attitude. We can have all of that to be able to share that and encourage others. Because I might run into one of you, and maybe not someone that really needs the Lord per se, but maybe one of you that just needs encouragement for your day to go forward in your day. And seeing me in, in a store or wherever, and I say, well, you know, or whatever the case might be, I say something, and then that encourages you. My attitude's right, your attitude's right, because we've encouraged ourselves in the Word, and we've encouraged each other. That's important. That's important. We should all care for one another, thereby caring for others as we move on our daily lives. I don't know how many of us are out as much as I am, probably not very many of us, but when we're out and about, we should be ready to encourage and be an encouragement because that's important. That's how people know that we are his disciples. Paul was saying, encourage one another. And this final greeting is basically saying, encourage one another and be encouraged in the word. Make sure you read that to the church, to the house, and make sure you read this letter in the church. Encourage one another so that they can encourage others and be encouraged themselves. It's encouragement. 
We're to, be, we're to follow on and move on in the Lord. Our lives are not very encouraging some days. I know this past week with all of a spring break and everyone sick from Friday all the way to me yesterday. No joke. No breaks. All these days, every single one of us is sick from then to then and I'm thinking, this is not encouraging. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like whiny kids and having to clean up messes and having to wash bed sheets five times a day. And I don't like this. This is not encouraging. But I read the scriptures and I'm encouraged that even though I go through this, God is with me. And then I'm encouraged. So we can be encouraged in our day. Whatever we're going through, you read the word and you understand God is with me in my day. Might have a bad day. Might have a good day. That's when you triumph and say, God's with me in my good day, but he's also with me in my bad day. Does it make sense? Be an encouragement to one another. Encourage one another in all the good things. Be a blessing to those that need to be blessings to you. And be open and ready and have a good attitude to do it. That's what God would want us to do. Amen? Does that make sense? I try to do that. I don't know. I don't. I, I consciously. I consciously try to be that way. I. I can't just naturally be that way. I'm telling on myself, but I just can't naturally be an encouragement. I have to try to be, you know, because I go and I do things and I get going on my daily thing, and I don't. I have to stop and say, okay, I, I'm doing this to be. I'm going to go be an encouragement. Because like last night, I was not ready to be an encouragement to someone. I wanted to go to the store, get a wrench, go home, fix the bike so he could ride it. That's all I wanted to do. So I had to, I have to practice the whole thing of being, in, being in, an encouragement to someone. I think that's a natural thing to, be, to have to practice that because it's something that we all have to learn. And I think it's important. So be an encouragement to each other. Let's try to do that. Let's be an encouragement to, to others around about, whether at work. I don't know if you and uh, Wayne, Brenda, get out much beyond work, but be an encouragement to others around and try to be. Try to encourage one another first, but um, encourage others too. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this word. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the book of Colossians. Lord, a wonderful book. I pray that you would bless this book to our heart, bless it to our understanding that we would put into practice the things in this book. Help us to be an encouragement to one another and be an encouragement to others and have a right attitude and be willing to and, and, and prayerfully watch for opportunity to minister to others. And Lord, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>